Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For tonight's podcast episode, I actually have Beth with me from Made for TV Movie Podcast. And I need to go on ahead and see. But yeah, I have Beth with me again. And give me one sec. Uh, try unmuting your mic real quick. There you Hello. go. Hi. Hey, there we go. Here we are. Technical <laughs> right. difficulties aside, we're still doing it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, like I was saying, I had Beth with me once again from Made for TV podcast um, and everything. Say hello to everybody. Sorry. And tonight we're actually reviewing Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And this is a movie that came out uh, in the night in the eighties, of course. <laughs> and matter of fact, this movie came out in nineteen eighty six. It had a budget of five million dollars, and the box office it drew seventy point seven million dollars at the world office. And like I said, this is one of my favorite movies. This is actually one of those movies that I can sit back and watch over and over again. It's like Sixteen Candles. Not only that, but thing that I find really funny though is this i remember going to a video school and my mom's like don't get any ideas on how to skip school that was the first thing she <laughs> when i rented it because that's exactly why i rented the movie in the first place was right? to, you're like right. i'm gonna get some ideas <laughs> and basically i had one thing that ferris didn't think of which was fake a diarrhea because it's actually harder to prove because all you have to do is just go to the doctor and it presses on your stomach. All you do is, ooh, ah, ow, that hurts. Next <laughs> thing you know, it, you're sitting back at home, eating some jello and everything, and just relaxing and watching prices, uh, uh, The Price is Right. Except so, for today. Today they might like send you to the, I don't know, the uh, right. specialist, and then you're getting like a colonoscopy and all kinds of right. stuff. <laughs> exactly. So that might not even go that well, like I, like it was back in the '90s. But you know, this is one of those movies. Like I said before, it, it stars Matthew Broderick. It's and basically the plot is this: he's a he lives in the suburbs of Chicago near the end of the school year. He's a high school senior. Ferris Bueller fakes an illness to stay at home. Throughout the film, Ferris breaks the fourth wall to talk about his friends, give the audience advice on various subjects. His parents believe he is ill, though his sister Janie does not. I also like how he breaks the fourth wall by explaining uh, how he actually fakes sick. I also liked how he said, I asked for a car for my 16th birthday. They gave me a computer. <laughs> so... Which is so funny because he he brings that up a lot, and then Jeannie, the sister, is like, he asked for a car and he got a computer, ha ha ha, which I love. But in the very opening scene, when he's like pretending he's sick, and he's like, "Is that you, Papa?" It's so cute. It's so funny. I just it's so funny. But that whole breaking the fourth wall—it's such an unusual tactic, technique to use. And I wonder why he chose that because he doesn't do it in. I don't. No, I guess I guess um, Geek does it in Sixteen Candles once, right? Right. He winds so up he, breaking the fourth wall once. Yeah. Right. So he does. So I guess he did it do it there, but it was un, It's very unusual way to film a movie. So it's kind of weird that he wrote it that way. But it's 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 a it's great. It works really well for for that move for this movie. 
I think it's really well casted too. It definitely Hugh, is well casted to be honest yeah. with you. He, Hugh said that he chose, um, he was thinking about Matthew Broderick as he wrote the movie, but Anthony Michael Hall has actually said that he thought it was written for him. So I think that's interesting because I could see them both playing it, but I'm glad he chose Matthew Broderick because Matthew Broderick was in one of my very favorite 80s movies called War Games. Have you seen that one, John? Yeah, yeah, I've I, seen War I, Games. I can't tell you how much I love that movie. It's so good. And they that one was also really well casted. Matthew Broderick is a great actor, but Ferris Bueller, I think, really put him over the edge of like um, – so, like as an actor, that was really a, I one think of so the main breakout roles. I, th I think so too, though, Beth, because I think that's what actually brought him on the map and everything. Don't get me wrong. War games is fun and everything, but being a high school senior, being able to skip out uh, on your, you know, to go goof off with your friends and everything, that is something relatable, something that you can connect with. And even yeah. in a 2021 world and kind of setting, and stuff like that, you can connect with it because you're tired of the day-to-day, -day, everyday activity and yep. stuff like that. And that's exactly what Ferris was tired of. He was tired of the everyday stuff and things like that. Yes. And even though he's very manipulative towards Cameron, his friend, which is what Randy was saying, the funny thing is his friend is really sick and he isn't and stuff like that. I feel like Ferris, and some people would say, well, he manipulated Cameron. But at the same time, I would I feel like Ferris is one of those people that was trying to help his friend stand up for himself and was trying to push him. It's, it's funny you say that because I was thinking when I watched it again, and I hadn't seen it all the way through. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces, but I hadn't seen it all the way through probably in at least five years. So as a as like from the mom perspective, I was I was thinking I actually think I guess one could argue maybe that he was manipulating Cameron, but I think he really understood Cameron and what Cameron, maybe it wasn't his place to, to push him that hard, but I think he, I think he did help him, you know? And I think, and I think he did let care help Cameron to have a good time to, um, to, to like face his father. Although we don't really know how that went. I feel like it probably right. didn't, probably wasn't, there's <laughs> probably a reason that wasn't in the movie. Because no dad would have handled that very well, but I th I think that they had a nice relationship, and I mean I suppose we could argue oh bullying or whatever, but I just don't think it's that out of the realm of the way friendships are when you're that right. age. Exactly, yeah. because you know we all bust each other's balls and stuff like that when exactly. we're younger and stuff like that, and you know it's always a back and forth thing when it comes down to a friendships and everything, I know friends that we cuss at each other and stuff like that all the time. We just bust each other's balls. That's yeah. just the way that guys are with each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. Well, no, I don't really know what you mean, but I know how girls are. I do know that I've never stolen one of my friend's dad's cars, but you know, right. he was it, borrowing it. So, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's all, it's all in good fun. It wasn't a real right. car anyway. <laughs> right. But, you know, the thing that I really have to say, though, is the very beginning, like you mentioned, with the father checking on his son, and then the mother goes, oh, your hands feel really clammy and everything. And he, <laughs> goes, and he goes, Papa, that you? That Papa? you, Papa? Papa? <laughs> and That's so funny. And when I was looking at his face, I'm like, he looks so cute right there. And he has an innocence of where, right, he's playing off that innocence and everything which works for his in his favor yeah and everything and yeah. 
then after he they wind up leaving, he goes, okay, time to get busy. <laughs> well, I think, and I think he does the sort of classic, it's a very classic, like, lie to your parents to get what you want when you're in high school kind of moment, because they're so dumb. I mean, they're just like, um, okay, he's sick, really. Even though it's like his ninth sick day, they're still not like, um, did he lick his hands? They're just so naive to him, I think. But I don't think it's, I don't think he's, they're different than any other parents. You know well, what no. I mean? Especially, no, right. and you don't know this, but because you weren't growing up in the 80s, but parents were a little less involved in their kids' lives in general, in my experience, than they are, have been since. So that doesn't surprise me from that point of view. It's just that, like, if my kid was sick 10 times in a semester, I'd be a little like, mm, should we get we see a doctor at this point or you know what i mean but i, right. I think it's funny though i think it's their stupidity is what helps move that movie along it definitely is it just shows how naive they are to ferris and not realizing that he's playing them the whole time while janie is actually the good student the good sister and everything who goes to school puts in her time and does what she needs to do as far as and the they treat goes. her like she's a troublemaker they're like stop right. teasing Stop tattling on your brother. <laughs> <laughs> He's sick right now. Do not bother him. Right? Don't bother but, him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing, though, too. I mean, another thing that I have to say is this. You actually have one of the actors from Beetlejuice in this movie playing the uh, father. No, not the father, the principal in this yeah. movie, too, which is Ed Rooney, who yeah. suspects Ferris is the repeat torrent and commits to catching him ferris convinces his best friend cameron who is legitimately absent due to it an illness <laughs> he's hypochondriac which ferris sees through to help lure uh, ferris's girlfriend salome uh salome peterson uh, to go skipping school and i thought that was actually pretty funny though that they actually use cameron and cameron's acting like her father he's and he's like Yes, this is uh, this is her father, Simone's uh, father, and I want her to come out in the front of the building I by wish, herself. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could like like. I wish I could copy his voice in that one because it's so funny when it he is. does the voices when he's calling. It's he, he, he it's it's funny. It's it so definitely funny. Is. And then she comes out and she sees like you don't know how Sloane's going to react when she finds out her grand was it grandpa or grandma. Grandma dies. Yeah, her grandma then, died. Yeah, and then she comes out, and you're like, "Oh no, is she like really crying?" And then she sees it's him, and she's like, "Oh, okay, we're all good." <laughs> and, then, and another thing that though that this is actually funny, but Mooney also talks to Ferris's uh, mother though too on the phone. He goes, "He's been absent ten times." And she goes, ten times. I don't remember him being sick ten times." He goes, "It says it right here, ten times." And oh, as yeah. he's <laughs> And then as he's saying that, the absence is actually going down and everything to like three. I mean, it's really his parents' fault. They bought him the computer. Right. <laughs> and this is like hacking before online hacking actually happened. So God knows what he had to do to get the same type of IP address or whatever to hack into the school system. To do that, that was a little homage to war games as well because his character mm. does that in war games, yeah. Um, 
and obviously you couldn't just break into the school's computer but it is that is one of that is one of my favorite moments when you're just watching the number go down and he's just like oh like you can i can see as an adult why he would be mad but at the same time i'm like dude you like broke into his house <laughs> just to catch him in the act i mean you broke you be, did a B and D and you're taking your principles into a whole new extreme level. Yeah. And here's a question I have. What did Jeannie, the sister recognize her own principle? That's another thing I didn't get unless she's never spent a lot of time in the principal's office, considering the fact that she's always uh, doing everything that she can do. As a best student, uh, yeah, I think that's possible, and I almost wonder if maybe I was kind of thinking when I rewatched it, like maybe she just panicked because somebody's in her home. Yeah. So maybe that's why she didn't recognize him because she clearly did when she had his wallet later. But I, when I watched them, like she didn't, she sees his full face. So I'm like, oh, you didn't recognize that that was him, but. It doesn't matter because she still kicked no. him right in the face. That was funny. That was. And you know what, though? I have to say this. I think that actually makes a lot more sense. When somebody's breaking into her home, we don't look at their face or anything like that. We don't know. We just It's based off of just survival instincts with her. As, as an adult, that moment actually really scared me watching that when she's, like, in the house, like, trying to bust Ferris. And then she realizes there's somebody in the house. It, like, in real life, that would be really terrifying. That would be that that would be really terrifying to if you think about it. It has like a little bit of more of a little bit of a suspense now that that we're actually adults. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is definitely not gonna play out well in a 2021 right? kind of vibe. Although she was you know? kind of badass both that time and then when she goes up and kicks the door in and sees like mm -hmm. the, the mannequin head comes up, and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, you're a badass girl. I always really <laughs> liked her character because I was like, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Even though right. she ends up in in jail or whatever, or not in jail, but at the police station, right? With Charlie Shane, Shane and everything too. When he gets out, that that's such a brilliant scene, and it's more brilliant today because of everything that's happened with Charlie Shane. But even right. back then, he was a he was a the, uh, pretty much a bad a, boy. Yeah, he was a bad boy, and he had a <laughs> reputation. So it was right. still funny then, but I actually think it's a little more ironic now. I'm right, kind of, it's like foreshadowing kind of, his own future. You can really stuff. appreciate him in that role today, even though it was not a huge role, but it was funny. I, I like that. I actually like that scene. I thought it was really clever. Same here. I thought that was really clever of them to actually do that, too, and stuff like that. And also, too, Jennifer Grey is in the movie, too, like Brandy said. And then, of course, you know, Simone's... A grandmother dies and then cameron is actually rooney actually this is how ruthless rooney is at trying to stop ferris no matter what well cameron's actually entertaining rooney by saying mm -hmm. the uh, that the grandmother died then yeah. you have ferris that calls him up on the phone and he goes hey mr rooney look i'm not feeling i'm not feeling good today or anything i was just wondering can you go on ahead and give me my books and everything in my homework that I need so the way I can study and keep up with my classes. Thank you. Bye. And then all of a sudden he's like, <gasps> because, because here's the thing. Rooney is thinking that that's actually Ferris. And therefore he's like, you know what? I want to see a corpse. 
I want to see this old bag. I want to see this per just wheel her up. That's just school policy. Yeah. Wheel this old hag up to the school, and I now believe that she's actually dead. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Cameron's like, "Excuse me," <laughs> and then the assistant's like, "Rooney White, uh, Ferris Bueller's on the other line." <laughs> and he's like, "Hello." Then again, like I don't know, it's so funny because he's just like, "Oh shit, that's that's not him." But it really could have been because he still could have put himself on hold, and it still was him. But Cameron right. just does such. He's so his care his his like voices are so funny, like, especially when he's like when he calls uh, he when they're at the restaurant when the, he's pretending he's the sausage king of Chicago. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that part was actually funny though, too, to be honest with you, and then. Also, too, the other funny thing, of course, is when Cameron's in his car and he's like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going. I'm not going. He's going to, then he's like, then all of a sudden he just cranks up the car. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And then he cranks it back down, back off. The, he goes, if I don't go, he's going to call me. If, and then he's going to make me feel bad. He's going to make me feel bad. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. <laughs> so and then he, you can like see, I mean, he's like agonizing over it. He's really like, like doesn't know what to do. And then he's like, Damn it! I mean, he's so mad, but he—I think he—I think he reacts that way because he knows that Ferris is right; that he needs to take the day off and go and just—he doesn't know what's going to. I don't even know if Ferris knew. I don't know if he really had a plan for the day. He, you know. Think, well, to be honest with you, I think he knew what he planned out in his mind on what he wanted to do. And everything as far as how he planned it out his day. I mean, he planned out a whole entire fundraiser for himself with the school. Yeah. And stuff That's like that, which I thought was funny that even the school is doing a fundraiser for him. Well, and then and then later in the movie, somebody says to the mom, like, oh, tell, tell Ferris, you know, we're all rooting for him. And she's like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> like, she has no idea this whole thing is building and building and building all day long. Exactly. Oh. And then also too, you have the father who's in, who's working and stuff like that too. He doesn't have a clue at what's going on. No. Perfect example is when him and Simone are inside the car in the taxi car. Jesus. And next thing you know, they start making out when the father starts looking at them. You know, I just thought it was funny. I wonder, like, I'm. I was like, does does he not know who she is? Because I would have been like, wow, that really looks like my son's girlfriend. Well, I feel like I know that what that would. Um, can you hear my dog barking? It's it's perfectly fine. It's uh, not a problem. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna. No, no. I'm gonna, I just feel really bad that he's like barking. <laughs> don't, so sorry. Don't do that. No, no, no. It's perfectly fine. It's it's fine. <laughs> so but, I, no, 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 no. Don't not at all. Seriously. But you, I. It's okay. <laughs> But, you know, I just think that with this kind of movie, you just have to have some type of disbelief and everything. Oh, yeah, too. you have to spend, uh, suspend every amount of disbelief you have. I mean, because otherwise the movie doesn't work at all. Like, I was thinking, I wonder how expensive that day would have been. Because they True. paid to park, went to a game, went to the restaurant, went to the museum. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> 
Ferris has no job. <laughs> of course, he's got a great car for the day. I guess that's all you need. Right. But at the same time, that was the 80s. So I imagine the baseball tickets probably weren't that expensive in the 80s. Yeah, I don't remember. I know, like, okay, so I'm a Brewers fan, Brewers my whole life. So we're only a couple hours north of uh, Chicago, and they weren't expensive. Like, you could get into a game for 10 bucks. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, in the 80s, it was like 80 bucks. Probably no average ticket price was like four dollars and forty five cents. Yeah, to get in, which is cheap compared to now. Well, they also didn't have the stadiums like they have today. I mean, true. I think most of the um, brewer stuff was bench seating, if I can remember. So it may have been the same way at the other stadiums, but that's the first time I actually ever heard uh, so wing bada bada bada. I had never heard that before in my life. I don't know how, but I hadn't. You see, I heard that from that. And then after that, it was Rookie of the Year back in the 90s and everything, too. And it was swing, batter, 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 swing, batter, batter, batter. But but the way Cameron does it is just hysterical, though. It's yeah. swing, batter, batter, swing. <laughs> it takes a very long time to say it. Right. He draws it out a little bit more than what, how I'm saying it, but it makes it that more hysterical, to be honest with you. Yeah. And then also, too, another funny thing, too, is like you said, with the art museum, they're over there in the art museum, just enjoying the day, watching that, doing the art museum. Then after the art museum is the baseball game, and Rooney's over in the art, in the bar, watching the base, same baseball game that Ferris is at, and he has his head turned. And he doesn't want to notice Ferris or anything. And then also, too, he sees that this other person has the same kind of jacket that uh, this other person ha has on inside the arcade area. So he thinks that's actually Ferris. It's actually a girl who's dressed up in the same kind of gear. That is That was so funny, that scene. Because <laughs> the first time I saw it, I thought I was like, because we know that's not Ferris. But then he's like going up to him, and so, but you don't know if the, you're not in on the joke until she turns around. Right. Because we know he's at the baseball game, but I'm like, there's no way that he could actually get off the stands and go into the bar that quickly. And go to where that bar is. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I liked how they played that off and everything. And of course, Rooney winds up getting punched in the face by the girl. He really deserved it. He does. He really did he deserve that. Pretty hard, but he deserved it. He committed a lot of like crimes that day, more than Ferris, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing I was going to tell you earlier before the show started, I was saying I, there was something I remembered, and when I was doing, when I was looking up some stuff about the movie, I f I forgot that for the for the museum scene, the I think it was a sound producer had gotten a song from The Cure that they were going to use for that scene. And then John Hughes had a falling out with whatever producer it was. So when he left, he took the song with him. So the song never made it, which I think is really interesting because um, at that point, The Cure really weren't that well known. Uh, Friday I'm in Love was still four or five years away. And right. they were they were still considered fairly uh, an fairly alternative underground band. They, you know, you weren't hearing them on the radio, 
or anything like that. People knew who they were, but I don't, they weren't mainstream at all. And so I wonder what that would have done for the cure, because, you know, when you consider how in Pretty in Pink, the, the soundtrack made a lot of people really famous. And then I, when I was watching the scene again the other day, I was like, boy, this really could use some cure. It would have been a lot more interesting, I think, because in the end, it's not that interesting of music. It's, it's okay, but I think the cure would have really made that, set that tone so well. It would have been different. It would have been a different atmosphere as far as yeah. the rock rock music goes of the 80s, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I don't get me wrong. I like the twist and shout music that they use in the parade. Yeah, I did too. That uh, was the not, first time I heard wait the so the Wayne Newton the Donka Shane. I had never Shane. even I'd never heard of Wayne Newton before that movie. So I had no idea who he was. I had no idea what Donka what Donka Shane was, but I still love that song to this day. Which means thank you for coming, I think. I think that's yeah, it's, uh, it means thank you in Yeah, thank you. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I, I also read that um Paul Paul McCartney gave permission to use Twist and Shout, but then didn't like the version in the end that they used. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was like a cover that somebody else did for Twist and Shout or... I don't know. Because that was the one that I grew up on, was that version that I grew up on. I didn't grow up on the one that Paul McCartney did or anything. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't even know who... I mean, I, I don't know... I, I guess I would have to re-listen re to it, but they somehow remixed it or something. I'm not sure exactly what they did, but they did something different that he didn't like. I think he said there was too much bass or it was, I, I'm not sure. I can't remember what it was, mm. but I thought, it, I thought that was interesting. And I thought I, it's, but I also think that it really brought up the Beatles, a whole new group of people listening to them because while they were, certainly popular and everybody knew who they were by then um he was in wings you know what i mean like he was making right. he was still making music but younger generations may not have been as familiar with the beatles no they wouldn't have and to be honest with you unless you have a mother that actually grew up on the 1950s or 60s music like i did yeah, yeah. you're not gonna have that crowd that actually knows who the beatles are don't have a clue who paul ringo is don't have a clue at who John Lennon is or Paul McCartney yeah, or anything either. So, yeah. you know, it definitely helps to actually have some music that you may have not heard of and be like, hey, look, I want to go on hand and check out this band because I heard this on Here's Bueller's Day Off. And yeah. this could have actually helped out The Cure a lot more. Yeah, I think so. You. I think it would have brought them, it could have brought them popularity, mainstream popularity sooner because obviously they got it with Friday I'm in Love, and that came out, I think, in 92. And so it still was another six years off. And so in 86, they would have had, uh, I can't remember the album, but it would have been uh, Boys Don't Cry. I forget off the, off the top of my head, but it would have been that album. So there was a great album out around that time. Their most, right. their current one was, a, was a, probably their best, my favorite album, but... Like I said, it wasn't like it was on, you know, the radio or anything. People no. just didn't listen to it in the same way that you would. Like today, you can hear Cure songs all the time, right? Because right. now everybody knows who they are. Their their canon sort of came in with Friday I'm in Love, and, and they make great music. They're re they really do. They're a great they're a great band, and they have great music. So I'm glad that they're still around. But I 
kind of wish that that was in the movie now that now that I know that I can't unknow it. <laughs> right, exactly. Because we wonder, okay, what would this sound like, you know, with the parade and would they actually switch out the songs like they did to be honest yeah. with you? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think the way it worked out was great. I think, mm -hmm. it's, I think it's brilliant and I like, I like the music and I think that, um, I mean, just watching Matthew Broderick lip-syncing lip to Wayne Newton is just so classic. You know, that, was one, that one where he's like at the end of the song and he kind of like puts his hand up and he's like doing it. And it's like, ah, oh. just, he just, he's, he's clearly having fun. Yes. And I think that's what everybody loved about it. And that's why everybody felt so good when that scene was on because it just makes you feel good. It to, does. To watch, it, watch everybody dancing, and you know the um, the window washers are like jamming, and everybody's Man. having a great time. And then there's even the, the father. The father's yeah. dancing. Yeah, and, even and the, the dad. The, he got a little jiggy with it. Right. And I thought to myself, <laughs> your son is out there parading, pers actually parading around, and you don't have a clue that's actually him lip syncing to uh, Dakashay. By Wayne I kind of wish now that I had counted the amount of times that his dad could have busted him and didn't. That's twice so far yeah. that I counted. Yeah. The taxi cab and then, uh, then of course, with the parade. But then again, it might not be as noticeable, though, because of the fact that depending on how high he was actually up. Yeah, in he was pretty, I think he was probably pretty high. Yeah. But even still, I mean, he, you know, I don't know. Also, at the restaurant when he was in oh, the yeah. bathroom. When he was talking and then he walks out and then the dad comes out and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> believe that. You just missed him. And then again on the street corner, because remember they stole the taxi. Right. They wind up stealing the taxi from somebody else. They from also the stole dad. somebody's reservation. But yeah. my favorite line that Ferris says, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm going to be damned if I'm going to let this guy, the, talking about the reservation, the person who was doing the reservations and everything, if I'm going to get busted by this guy. I'm not going to go down like that. If I'm going to go down, I want to get caught by someone that's better than this guy. Right? I have to I have to look. I actually wrote my favorite line down and okay. it was I wrote it down. Let me see. Oh. Right. Um okay. It's a little childish and stupid, but then again, so is high school. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually true though. Yeah. I mean, and then he says isms in my opinion are not good. But you know what, though? That's actually true, though, because high schoolers are really childish and stupid. It's filled with nonsense and it everything. And Ferris, Ferris, to me, is kind of more wiser than most of the senior in his own seniors. Yeah. And I also feel like, in a sense, he also feels unexpired and inspired. Yeah. At the same I, time think bored. That, I think he's I, I feel like this whole movie is like a wink. Like Ferris winking at everybody, and he's he's kind of in on the joke. So what basically what you're saying, but he's very clever. Yeah, he's definitely you very know? clever when it comes down to it. Yeah, and you know another thing before we uh, get into some more stuff, that song by The Cure, "Friday I'm in Love," that came out in 1992 on the album Wish. Wish, yes. So. Yeah, if, I believe if that song would have made it on, or another song would have made it onto the Furious Bueller's soundtrack and The Cure was there, they would have actually got uh, famous after this. 
Yeah, and I don't know if they, right. and I can't remember if they said if it was an existing song or if he wrote one for the movie, but I thought they said that that there was that it was a new song that they did for the movie. But either way, I think it's interesting to know that to know that it didn't make it in. Right. Um, another thing, though, too, is this, like, I like the monologue, though, between his sister and also to Charlie Sheen, because why should you, why should you care uh, what he's doing or anything? And she goes, well, why does he get to have fun while other people are uh, doing classes and doing everything? And, you know, Charlie is like, well, that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, know, there's going to be people out there in the real world that does that. There's nothing that you can do about it and everything. And it's not fair to her. But then again, we as adults, we see it happen all the time. Yeah. And I think in the end, she must have listened to his message just because of how it ended with her, like actually giving him a pass and letting him in the house. So I don't know if it was because of what Charlie Sheen's character said or because she was really pissed at the stupid principal for breaking into her house. But I think in the end, she had a little bit of enlightenment herself. Right. I think she decided, you know what? It's not worth getting butthurt over and everything. He's still my brother, no matter what, or blood. Yeah. If he gets yeah. caught, he gets caught. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's not going to be on me. It's going to be on him. And if he gets and caught... I kind of like that. I kind of like that. I mean, it was a little pat and everything, but I still kind of like that 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 little exchange happened. Me too. Because I, I feel was, like she needed that, to be honest. I do. I mean, I feel like she did. I think she need, I mean, she's so angry, like, to, like, kind of forgive him was a good thing, I think, for everybody. Maybe she lightened up a little, but she still kicked some serious ass. <laughs> she did. She definitely did. Um, there's actually some other funny moments, though, too. Like, for instance, when Rooney uh, rings the doorbell and Ferris goes, I'm sorry, I can't come to the door right now. I'm very ill and I'm very sick. I don't and I don't want to get you sick. So <coughs> um, if you can, please leave your name and number at the door and we'll call you when we can. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, if this was corona times, that would I know, be I was the thinking the same thing. I'm like, you wouldn't even knock on the door at this point. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, <laughs> he's sick. <laughs> Game over. Well, right. then when he's trying to get in the house and he like falls off that kind of um it's not even a ladder. What is it? It's a it's uh the, the trellis, like a yeah. trellis thing, and then he yeah. falls and his foot sinks into the ground, and you're like, Yes. I mean, because I spent the whole movie going, Yes, get him. <laughs> and then Jeannie, the sister, did, and it's like boom, he really got it. He did. He got what was coming to him that whole entire time. Even the part with the dog biting him and then also putting his foot in the uh, dog, dog's door as well. And then there's a bunch of stuff that happens to Rooney that he actually deserved. He went he through the extra month. Yes. Yeah, and then at the very end when he's walking and you see his pants are all shredded at the bottom. <laughs> but he's like walking down the street before the bus picks him up and you're like, he could see his pants and his it's like bloodied lip and you're like, you kind of deserved all of it, Rooney. Yeah. And then also to Cameron after another thing that's actually funny at the, whenever they go to the parking garage too, he goes, Hey, you guys speak English? 
And they're answering Ferris. And he goes, what country do we live in? <laughs> so he goes, you see, perfectly fine. They're professionals. And then Cameron goes, professional at what? And next thing you know, they go out for a joyride on the jet with that Ferrari. And, and they the take Wars that car and it goes, <laughs> well, we and used the Star to call, Wars music was perfect. Oh yeah, and we, we you know we used to we still do, but um, you call that the Dukes of Hazard jump. Whenever a car jumps like that, that's what they did in the the TV show, The Dukes of Hazard. But that's so beautiful when the car just kind of goes whoop and then right back down and then just keeps on going. Yeah, perfect. yeah. Uh, let's see here. What what other favorite moments do you have? Oh, well, my, my, I think, well, I think we should probably talk about Bueller, Bueller. Oh yeah. Bueller. Ben Stein. Ben Stein. That, that yeah. made him a household name because nobody knew who he was um, before that movie. I mean, people did know who he was because actually he was a speechwriter for Ford and for, I forget. But he was a, so he he was known, but probably not by high schoolers. So I yeah. think that I think that that's probably one of my favorites of all time. But I think it's one of those things where you can go Bueller, Bueller, and everybody knows the reference. Exactly, because you know? that's that that's so iconic. Aside from the part where is the post credit scene, and he goes, "What are you guys doing here? The movie's over. Go home. Go home. Go home. Go." And uh -huh. even on Deadpool, they did the same thing at the very end. But the end credits, Deadpool comes out with his mask and goes, and he has the uh, the robe that Matthew Broderick has. He goes, what are you guys doing here? Deadpool's over. The money's over. We don't have that kind of budget here. We're running with a small budget. He goes, look, I'm just going to tell you one thing. There, we're going to have Deadpool two. Deadpool two is coming out, and guess what? We're going to have Cable in it, and by the way, you guys need to go ahead and go home because the ushers are going to get pissed off at you for being here this long. So you need to go home. And then all of a sudden you hear the little Furious Bueller thing whisper as he's leaving. It's just perfect ex execution when it comes down to improv with that. That's awesome. And I think, I think that's, I think that the movie is so iconic that people do want to pay homage to it and do things like that because there are things about it that we, everybody has their favorite moments, but that you appreciate it so much that you want to like pay tribute to that. And I think that's what John Hughes really did for a lot of, a lot of his movies for a lot of people, because he just knew how to write a movie that people felt a connection to in some way. Just like look at planes, trains, and automobiles. People have that in their top ten. Everybody I know loves that movie. I can't watch it because it makes me cry so much. But it's such a beautiful movie. And and I think Ferris Bueller too. And I think one thing he didn't do in this movie that he did do in Sixteen Candles was it was the the humor was a little smarter in Ferris Bueller than it is in Sixteen Candles. It's 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 not as in your face humor. But it's funny and it's and it's real and everybody knows a Ferris Bueller and we all know a genie and you know we all had a we all hated our principal and you know what I mean and I think he's so good at taking writing characters that 
are believable in the world that he creates. And very relatable. I mean, like you said, the, we, we all have a principal that we don't like. We all have a teacher that's actually boring and bland yeah. and everything that just makes us fall asleep in class and zones out of everything. Yeah, That's another I, thing everybody... I love about that scene when they show the, the students and they're all like, <laughs> when he's trying to teach economics, they're all, I just, I think that's brilliant. It's funny because it's true. Right. That's why it's funny. I agree with you. I 110% I agree with you on that because I remember sitting in a couple of history classes where it was just boring. And there was like maybe one teacher that actually made history interesting because he was doing different impressions. He was telling us, okay, class, today feels like a good day to just cheat. So just cheat. And then we're looking at each other like, what? Is he serious? And, and we're all, <laughs> so we're just going back to him. He goes, what are you doing? I told you to cheat. Oh, you were serious. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we all have a teacher that is very boring and very bland. Yeah, That's one thing I appreciate about John Hughes, though. He knows how to get you glued into a setting to where we can care about the characters, not only care about the characters, but care about the environment that he's creating around these characters. And everybody has trips that they go on and everything on Thanksgiving. Plane trains and automobiles is very relatable. It's not in your face. It's more of the fact that it's two grown people trying to get home for the holidays to spend time with their families. This one, you're dealing with a kid that's bored with school, bored with life, bored with everything because he doesn't feel like he he's he doesn't feel passion with whatever that the school is teaching him. Because he's bored that's with it. He's been 12 point. years in school. Yeah, that's that was that was actually the heart of what that movie is, what you just said. I completely agree with it. You're right. I mean, I think I think I think we all sort of felt that kind of angst because he was a senior and they're all graduating soon. And it's like, why bother going to school? And it's been kind of a blah, like haven't learned anything anyway. I really want to just go do something fun and and he did he like did what we all wanted to do right he we all wanted to go and leave school for the day and go do some really fun stuff and he really did and, yeah, and that's he really did really he, right. yeah i mean i guess i mean you could argue you know manipulative bully whatever but i, I mean i think that his intentions were true i think so too. and i think and I think that he, I think he really loves Cameron. I, I do. I mm -hmm. think that they have a really nice friendship. And I think that Cameron had a good time. And he did, and he did make some hilarious phone calls along the way, he you did. know. And also, too, there's a, there's a transformation with Cameron, though, th throughout the film, where he's thinking about life. He's thinking about what's life after high school and where he's going to be at. And all of us do that and everything in high school, we're like, well, where are we going to be at in 10 years? Where do you see ourselves? And then, of course, Ferris goes, you know what? Cameron's going to be the first person that winds up marrying the per first person he winds up sleeping with. Yeah. And it'll be just like his mother or his father <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then also, too, they're all wondering where Ferris is going to be. They're wondering about their future. Ferris is worried about after high school, Simone is going to be still in high school. He's going to be done. 
Yeah. And he's wondering where she's going to end up at. Are they still going to be together or not? Is that teenage worryingness of what's going to happen? Yeah. And there's that anxiety level of what's they're, what they're afraid of. But yeah. with Cameron, though, you go from a kid that was scared of his father and scared of doing things and risking things. And Ferris is actually telling him, hey, look, you need to just relax. Have yourself some fun. We're going to have fun today. Regardless yeah. of the fact if you think you're going to have fun or not, we're going to have fun. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't want to have fun. He just ends up having fun. Yeah. I mean, Ferris has fun, but Cameron doesn't want to. But, I I mean, it, it's interesting, though. Like, you know, he talks about his father in an obviously very not flattering way. And then he has this moment where he, like, he, like, looks up and he's like, or he looks down when they're when they're standing at the I, I don't know is that the Sears Tower or the John Hancock building that they're standing on those things and looking down. Right. To be honest um, with you, I don't know. They never really I, specify. Yeah, they don't really that. say it's probably one of those two because you can at least back then you could get into both and they both had areas where you could view. Um, but he looks down and he says, I think I see my father, and then you see the shot and you I mean there's it's just buildings. You can't see them. And I think that's sort of like telling about where he kind of is in that moment where he's still thinking about his dad and, and the impact his family has on him. But then by the end of the day, I think he lets some of that go, yeah. which I think is important because I don't think, and I don't think he needed to, I don't really care about, about growth or not, but I don't think Ferris had a lot of growth, like no. personal and no, I don't you see is what you got from him. Yeah. And I and I think that's fine because you know, people talk about movie reviews and they're like, well, there wasn't any growth. Well, I mean, it's a comedy. Did he need it? No. He went home the same person he was when he left, but he was a pretty kick-ass guy when he left the house. So <laughs> is is that okay that he didn't grow? Yeah, he'll grow up when he gets older. Eh. Right. And I figured with this, with Ferris, though, we pretty much know who his character is. You know. We know that his character wasn't going to be gr um, growing or anything like that. We knew that from the from the very beginning. But it's not about growing, though. It's about helping your friends face their anxieties, in a sense. Yeah. And helping yeah. them along the way. And even though it was tough love, it was still love, no yeah. matter what. If that yeah. makes sense, especially with Cameron and then Simone, though, too. Even though she was just a, basically a tag along for the ride and everything, because yeah. basically she was just going along with Ferris with everything he was doing, so there was not really any growth with her that no. much. But there wasn't much. Cameron, there wasn't much. There wasn't much of a character to work with. I didn't think with her. Her role was pretty small. Even though right. she was in it a lot, I didn't think she she didn't play that big of a role. No, but with Cameron though, there's a lot of mental abuse that goes on with him and his father. Yeah, anxiety. And depression, being a hypochondriac, though, too, because he doesn't want to get out of bed because he's actually miserable. Yeah. And Ferris is actually forcing him to do something he doesn't want to do, but he knows that it's good for him, even though yeah. Cameron doesn't see it in that light yet. No. But then once the jet, of course, once the Ferrari goes through <laughs> the, the car, the window, the window, like Brandy was saying earlier, right. And then when they show it on the ground, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, <gasps> because you know it's getting to the end of the movie. The day's, you know, it's getting to the end of the day. And you're like, how, 
how is this going to get fixed? Like, how, how is this going to resolve itself? It's pretty devastating to see that car sitting there at the bottom of the canyon or whatever right. cliff or whatever it is. It's like, oh. And by the way, I, I did in my research find out that, that that house that Cameron lives in was actually a house that they, the um, outside that they took us in California, not Chicago. And that's what I had a feeling. Homes. Yeah, because it doesn't look like Chicago in any no. way. No, because if you look at how it's shot, it looks like there's some palm trees. It looks very Californian-esque, to be honest yeah. with you. Even this, even the architecture of the building itself looks like California. like a 1670s California-built home. That's why I kind of looked it up, because I was always wondering about that. But that's one of the few, um, few times that he set a film in Chicago and didn't actually have exteriors from Chicago. Right. He was pretty careful to do that. But I think they did that because of how they filmed that scene. But really in Chicago, unless the only bluffs that I can even think of where you'd be high enough in a hill would be on Lake Michigan and they weren't on the lake. You would see that for sure. Right. And I'm like, as as the car was going backwards and then that house and everything, I'm like, no, even the driveway doesn't even look like a Chicago driveway. No, it doesn't. Or anything like that. It looks more like a California driveway. It the, yeah. it has that California look to it. So yeah. I'm glad that you looked into that because I'm like, something's off about this shot. Yeah, I didn't honest. think anything about it until I watched it the other day. And I was like, that doesn't look like, I mean, obviously there are probably places in Chicago where there's cliffs and stuff like that. But not, not particularly. We don't have a lot of... Um, hills and canyons and things like that. I mean, we have a kettle moraine where I am, so there are some hills and valleys, but in, not in Chicago, not no. particularly. It's it's pretty pretty flat. Definitely. Um, so let's go into some of the trivia, though, that you found. Oh, yeah. And by the way, guys, you can actually find this trivia stuff on IMDb and stuff like that, but we just found some stuff. Well, Beth found some stuff that she found fascinating. But according to I IMDb, find all, I find all John Hughes fascinating. I mm -hmm. don't know if I've mentioned this, but I love John Hughes movies. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think you mentioned that. <laughs> have I ever mentioned honest. that, John? <laughs> hmm, I might have to roll tape from the last time you were here. <laughs> but uh, Brandy also says that The Breakfast Club was also a relatable film by him. And yes, that was actually very relatable during that time with the different things that Amelia Estevez was going through, which kind of, in a, in a sense, kind of reminds me of Cameron just a little bit, just, even though he's not the jock or anything like that, but still kind of similar in some aspects. Yeah, um, I agree. But according to IMDb, Broderick was nominated for a Golden Globe, but did not win. But the one thing that I find that's very fascinating is Ben Stein, when he has his lecture, it's scripted uh, except the roll call. Hughes just asked him to give a lecture on economics, and he was an economics professor. Stain was also a speechwriter, like you said, for both Ford and Nixon. Nixon, that's right, Nixon. Which I find interesting that Ben goes from doing that to doing acting. Yeah, well, and then he did, he had that TV show called, that TV when, game show, Win Ben Stein's Money. Right, with Jimmy Kimmel at that yes. time. Yeah, so it was a long time ago, but I remember it. Me too. I remember Ben Stein's money on Comedy Central. I used to watch that all the time, to be honest yeah. with you. Me too. It was um, funny. 
It was. It was definitely a funny show. The categories that they would actually choose was funny. You'll probably find some clips on YouTube if people are wondering what when Ben Stein money is. Go in and check that on YouTube. I'm sure that they have some stuff over there. But the one thing that sticks out to me was the Ferrari that you were mentioning. It was too expensive to rent one, so the three replicas were crafted from an MG uh, what? Chassis? Chassis. Yeah, chassis. So they basically built a Ferrari around an MG. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it actually is. It makes a lot of sense to do that because, I mean, they would have had to destroy one anyway, so they might as well build it, right? Exactly. And also, too, I want to mention this. In Money Heist, they actually had the Ferrari in Money Heist. Or Tower Heist. Tower Heist. Tower Heist? Okay. And they actually had the Ferrari from Ferris Bueller, I want to say. And Matthew uh, Broderick was actually in that movie with Eddie oh, Murphy. Yeah. So if you're It's been a long time since I've, if I've even seen it. I feel like I have, though. Yeah, Ben Stiller's in it. You also have the uh, the female that played on Precious. She's in that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but... You know, another another thing that's actually pretty cool is this. They actually have this one movie. I think it's called Summer Break or Outbreak or something like that. But it's on Netflix. It's an original series. But it has that Furious Bueller kind of vibe to it, but set oh, in a zombie that. apocalypse kind of time period. But the, the adults are actually the zombies, and the kids are actually the people who are trying to find out how they can actually turn their adults back into normal human beings. That's awesome. And so Matthew Broderick is actually the principal. Oh, and you have this adolescence that's kind of like Ferris Bueller. And he's, uh, you know what, when this is before I found out that Matthew Broderick was even the principal in this movie, in this TV show. Uh, it's called Daybreak, by the way. Uh, okay. But the kid is talking in third, like breaking the fourth wall. I'm thinking this has Ferris Bueller brought of uh, vibes to me. Next thing you know, what Matthew Broderick comes out as the principal. I'm like, well, <laughs> that awesome. was perfect timing. But awesome. it, it really is. The show is great. I, I recommend anybody who who's into stuff like that check that out. If you want a little bit of a modern day kind of twist on Ferris Bueller, a little bit, I recommend that that TV series. I've watched it during quarantine. But, uh, yeah, it was very good. Um, then let's take a look and see what else we have. Oh, there was actually a TV show that was based off of Ferris Bueller's Day Off called Parker Lewis Can't Lose. And it had Corey, Corey Nemec in it. He started, I don't even know how many episodes they made before it got canceled. Maybe 10, I don't even know. And I think Jennifer Aniston played the sister in that movie. I think she played the genie version and I don't know why they called it Parker Lewis can't lose instead of Ferris Bueller. There probably was some kind of licensing issue, but it was it was a terrible TV show. But I was I watched it because I liked Corey Nemec at the time. Okay, I never I never heard of that one to be yeah, honest. Yeah, like with I said, you. I'm pretty sure it was very quickly canceled. I don't think it made it even a full season, and I'm going to say it it was probably in the very late '80s. I don't I don't even think it was probably like an '88 or '89. Okay. Um, this is also another little trivia thing that you found. Matthew Broderick and Jennifer Grey began dating and later became engaged, though they never married. Yeah. Uh, the actor who played Mr. and Mrs. Bueller did get married, but divorced. 
yeah. guess that was because their son was sneaking away and they just discovered the fact that they've been lying to him. Which is interesting <laughs> without him. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I like but, this one. Alan Ruck was 30 when he played Cameron. That does not surprise me because most of the time they they don't cast teenagers. They cast people that are like 30 years old and have like a baby kind of face. Yeah, and I want to say I, Matthew Broderick was probably, well, I mean, his character was probably 18. So he was he was definitely 18 or older when he filmed. Jennifer Grey probably was too. Even though she played like a 16-year-old, I'm sure she was probably at least 18. Right. But yeah, um, this movie is perfectly well casted. And of course... You know, the chemistry between all the characters were really great. It has that 80s kind of vibe. If anybody wants to watch it, you can actually stream it right now on Netflix. So, therefore, you don't have to worry about renting it or anything like that on YouTube or anything like that. You guys will be able to watch that in the comfort of your own home with watching it on Netflix. I saw it in the movie theater when it came out, and, oh, it was so good on the – they, in fact, our our local theater did a retrospective, and they did do shows, start showing, like, I saw Breakfast Club, and I was supposed to see 16 Candles and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and then COVID hit, so they never had yeah. them. I actually had tickets, and then they closed, which was oh. really disappointing, because I really wanted to see, because seeing Breakfast Club in the movie theater again was, it. it's, the emotions that it brings up are just so raw, and you can feel it. It was so awesome. I need to see that in theaters, to be honest with you. But did doing a triple uh, theater experience or, uh, I guess, a triple feature uh, presentation of nothing but John Hughes movies, sign me up. I would go and do that in a heartbeat, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I was. I loved seeing Breakfast Club in the theater again, and I really wanted to see Ferris Bueller at 16 Candles. But alas... COVID struck and it did not happen. Maybe in five years when they do, because I think it, what is it, the, the 20th, maybe the 20th, I don't remember why they were doing it. Maybe it was just a John Hughes retrospective, but it was it was great to see Breakfast Club. Okay. Uh, so any other final thoughts about Ferris Bueller's Day Off or anything like that? or? Um, no, just that I really, really loved seeing it again, and I'm glad we talked. And I'm also sorry, everybody, that my dog was barking. No, don't worry about that. A little like troublemaking dog. <laughs> hey. I can hear him out in the hallway now. He's out there waiting for me to <laughs> give me kisses and say he's sorry. Oh, but no, it's perfectly fine. You know, like I said, life happens. Fur babies need loving too, so it's perfectly fine. It's it's perfectly fine that the dog your dog was marking and everything. When, I have when no we get when we get to, now we wouldn't have heard him at all except for right before we started. Recording, my microphone died for some reason. So when we get together to do Pretty in Pink, I'm going to have that fixed by then so we won't hear them at okay. all. It's perfectly fine. But anyways, uh, Beth, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this review. It's and so fun. I can't wait. It, it really is. It's always a blast having you on. This is your second time thank being you. on here. Yeah. And also, too, I can't wait to do our Pretty in Pink episode with me, you, and Brandy. Yeah, doing this. Fun. it's going to be fun. Yes, it is. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of fun, where can everybody follow you oh. and listen to your podcast? So we're the Made for, T for Made for TV Movie Club podcast. We review um, TV movies from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we are a comedy podcast. We drop some F-bombs. It's a lot of fun. We have a great time. Um, 
So we're on Twitter at, I'm looking at my thing so I don't mess it up, at TV Movie Club Pod 1. We're on Instagram at made underscore for underscore TV underscore movie underscore club. And on Facebook, we're on Made for TV Movie Club podcast. We have a website. You could go to madefortvmovieclub.com and find all of our links there. We are on Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Anchor, but you can hashtag us at hashtag MT. MF TV MC podcast and you'll find us at all those places. Okay. And guys, if you guys want to, we are actually doing another charity and this time we're doing it for the victims of Louisiana through the red cross. I'll have the link up probably after this podcast and everything too, where you guys can donate to the red cross and everything, because I feel like that in my heart, it was being led to donate for people to buy some senses and to actually help a cause in Louisiana and everything for victims who lost their homes, may not have power right now, and is able just to help the people and victims of Louisiana. So go ahead, donate 5 to $10, get yourself a Sensi. You won't regret it. Uh, me and Two Blur Girls Podcast teamed up to do this yet again. It's always fun being able to do these charities. Also, to go ahead and follow us on Facebook at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite and on Instagram underneath the same brand name and, of course, on Pinterest as well. We're also on on TikTok as well now at Movie Lovers Unite Zero, <laughs> so you guys can go on ahead, watch me act like a fool, doing all <laughs> kinds of different uh, p uh, all kinds of different promotions and stuff like that for the show for the podcast as well. And then of course you guys can go on ahead and get an audio only podcast of our our episodes and many more of what we do here at Movie Lovers Unite, where you guys get your podcast from. But here's the thing, guys, I want you guys to go down to Good Pods right now. And what Good Pods is, is a great place, a great community for podcasters. If you listen to podcasts or if you're a podcaster yourself, you get to go on ahead, rate the, each episode of different podcasts, and tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. Give us a five-star review. Even if you didn't, if you think it's total crap, just give us a three-star. I'll take a three. If not, I'll take a four. But either way it goes, tell us what you think, and that would be great. Also, too, if you want to donate to our show, all you have to do is go to GoFundMe.com forward slash Movie Lovers Podcast and donate 5 to $10 over there if you guys can. If you guys uh, can't, simple uh, like and a simple share goes a long way. Here, and of course, uh, subscribe to our channel. Smash that subscribe button. Smash that like button. Smash that bell on the bottom top, bottom right-hand corner to let everybody know that you have notifications coming. Then, of course, tomorrow, we actually have our trailer reaction for the new Matrix movie that just dropped today for that trailer. So if you're curious as to what we think about this new Matrix movie, go on ahead. Tomorrow at around 9 o'clock Central Time, I'm going to be dropping the trailer reaction that we just shot today. So go ahead and check that out. And then tomorrow I'm also doing a non-spoiler review for Magnetic. Well, I can't even say the word for the new James Wan horror movie, Magnetic, or whatever that movie is. Does it starts with an M? <laughs> but anyways, I'm doing a non-spoiler. I'm doing a non-spoiler review for that. And then Sunday I'm doing a spoiler review with independent director Jason Pitts for that. So of course, if you guys want to go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit. And of course, if you're a sponsor, would like to get in touch with us, just email me at MovieLovesUnite at gmail.com and that's everywhere you can follow me at guys it's been real it's been fun i can't wait to do this again and bye-bye and thank you thank you again beth bye guys <laughs>